more and, and dove into it more. I just, I'm not going to take the time for that this morning. But um, sometimes things are not quite as they appear. The t-shirt wasn't quite as it appeared. It was actually a bit pink. You wouldn't notice it at first, but it wasn't quite what it was supposed to be. Here we had a movie that was, that was portrayed to us, and uh, the, the inspired by the biblical story. Well, not exactly. In fact, I included in, in your notes, at the bottom of your, of, your, of, your, of your sermon notes, there's a little tiny print. I hope that's not too small. You can't even read it. Little tiny print. There is a link. It's the same link I put on my Facebook post of one of the best reviews of this movie that I have come across. He nails it. The reason as you follow through the movie and you find out, well, it doesn't seem to follow the Bible story. I mean, they keep bringing in stuff that I don't remember reading that. That's because the movie doesn't follow the Bible story. The movie is not inspired by the Bible at all. The movie is inspired by something called Kabbalah. Now, Kabbalah is a, is a present form, a dusted-off form of, a, of a ancient 2nd-century Jewish Gnosticism. It's a, it's a form of belief that, well, the, the long and short of it, part of it is, is that uh, the earth was not created by God. The earth was created by a spirit being who was descended, 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 descended from God. God created another who created another who created a lower who created a lower being and finally somewhere down the chain there that being created the earth. This material world which is inherently bad to begin with simply because it's material. And so anything that creator of the world does is going to be bad. If you, if you seem to, to pick up that the, the creator they don't use the term God, the creator in the book of Noah, or, or rather the movie Noah, is, seems to be kind of a, not a very nice God. Well, that's the understanding of the creator in Gnosticism. I'm not going to go into all those details because we're supposed to teach the Bible not uh, Gnosticism around here. But to understand the movie, I would encourage you, if, you ha- if you've seen the movie, check out that review. If you haven't seen the movie, read the review, and then you can decide if you see the movie or not. But if you see the movie, because lots of people are talking about it, you will, you will get things out of it that you might not have seen otherwise. You'll, oh, I get why they're doing that. So, so I encourage you to check out that review. But Noah is a big story, and that's one of the reasons the movie was much bigger than it would have been otherwise. This is a big story, and there are themes. If people are seeing a movie, if they are talking about the movie, cannot we use that movie to to, to, to preach the gospel? Can't we use that as a touchstone? Didn't Paul do that on Mars Hill? He wandered around the city, and he saw all these idols. He could have gone up to Mars Hill and said, you people have a lot of idols, and you need to get rid of them all. He didn't do that. He said, as I was wandering around your city, I see that you're a very religious bunch of people. You're you're a lot of spiritual interest here in town. And I I saw this one idol to the unknown God. And that's the one I want to tell you about. The God that you don't know, but you need to. Noah has some themes in it that that are wonderful touchstones, connection points for us to proclaim the gospel. That's what I want to talk about this morning, all right? So, the gospel according to Noah... um, just first of all, Noah in Genesis. Talking about Noah in Genesis, all, and, and, and I grabbed, if you didn't see the movie, I did grab some screen, screen shots from the movie, so you can at least get a little bit of it here and there. A central in the movie is the serpent. The serpent keeps showing up. 
And the serpent actually is a little more favored in the movie than you might think. But Joah in, or rather Noah in Genesis is, is a huge story. Let me rehearse. In chapter 1 and 2, you have creation. In chapter 3, you have sin and the fall. And you have a curse upon humanity and all of creation because of humanity. And that out of, out of, out of, out of that fall in chapter 3, in chapter 4, you see the results of it. And you see this line of Cain and all the violence and, and turmoil that exists. In chapter 5, because of the fall, you have sin. In chapter 4, it results in death. Chapter 5 is a catalog of Adam, his son Seth, Seth's descendants, all the way down to Noah. And every one of them, it repeats, he, he, he was born, he lived this many years, and he had sons, he lived this many more years, and he died. And he died, and he died, and he died, because, because the fall brought sin, which universally brings death to the best of men. Paul picks up on that. He says, from, 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 from Adam to Moses, all died. Everybody died, not just because they didn't keep the law, they died because of sin. Universal death. So then, at the end of chapter 5, you get to 6, and there's the story of Noah. And Noah is a continuation of chapter 5. Because at the end of the Noah story, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, at the end of chapter 9, then Noah lives so many X years, and he died. And so that concludes what was started in chapter 5. So Noah is making, is a, is a, is a bigger story that Genesis is building to that explains what happens because of sin. And it shows the picture that because of the fall, there is sin which leads to death and will bring about universal judgment. That God must judge sin. And you find that in the book of, Noah, or in the book of Genesis in the story of Noah. I keep wanting to say the book of Noah. I guess we've been doing a Bible book week by week and I'm stuck there. So the, the story of Noah is not, it's, it's not your, necessarily your Sunday school, there's a rainbow and there's all these cute, happy animals poking out of the ark. It is a dark story. It is a story of the wrath and the judgment of God that rightly comes, that must come on a not only sinful and fallen, but broken and rebellious and corrupt and violent humanity. That's the thrust of the book of Noah. If the movie seems a little dark, that's actually, there's a connection point there. Oh, this wasn't your typical Sunday school happy rainbow story. No, no. This is a dark story. Why is Noah such a dark story? Because Noah reminds us of a universal judgment and accountability. You know, I I was talking to a friend this week, and he said, yeah, I went to to the the Noah movie with with some friends of mine. They weren't church friends. They don't go to church, but they wanted to go see the movie. And so I said, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. And I went with him, and it was like, I was really surprised by what was in the movie. But afterwards, he said, we we were sitting down talking. We went out and got some food, and we were talking about the movie. And right there on his iPhone, he was able, they were now curious, well, what's the real story? And he was able to, in five minutes, they could read the real story, and then they begin to talk about the real story and what was going on there. And that's exactly what we can use this, this movie for. We can use this. There's a couple of themes I want to point to you that describe, uh, or, or that are great touchstone connection intro into the gospel. First of all, out of Genesis chapter 6, is humanity's depravity 
and accountability. Humanity's depravity and accountability. In, in, in Genesis chapter 6, and we're back at the beginning of the Bible now, in, in page 5 if you're using a pew Bible. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1, when man began to multiply in the face of the, of the land and daughters were born to them and the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took, on, took as their wives any they chose, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. That is not a limitation on how long man's going to live now because Noah lived much longer than that and some of his descendants. But the, it's, from this point, there's 120 years and the flood is coming. 120 years and judgment is coming. And the Ephilim, or the giants, were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the Son of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his hearts were only evil continually. That picks right up on Genesis chapter 3, doesn't it? The knowledge of good and evil. And what comes out of that, what that leads to, what the result of that is, is not that now man is enlightened and can make better choices. No, the thoughts of his heart are only evil continually. Innocence has been lost, and now man has given himself. Humanity has have given themselves to only evil continually. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart, and judgment is coming. There is a, a, a universal depravity in humanity. That's true. Somebody who sees the movie will certainly get that out of it. And if you've seen it, you can say, you know, one of the things I saw in the movie was the movie seemed to do a really good job of showing the, 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 that all of man is sinful, the, the brokenness of humanity. There doesn't seem to be any way to fix man. That seemed to be really strong in the movie. That humanity is messed up and the creator, the, the creator has determined that they are all sinful. Even Noah comes out as sinful. If you saw the movie, you could point that out. If you, if you didn't see the movie, you could say, well, you know, one thing I've heard about the movie is they do a real good job of showing the sinfulness, the brokenness, the, that, that humanity is what the Bible calls depraved, Come absolutely fallen, a mess. Humanity is a mess. Is that in the movie? Did that come out? Anybody who's seen the movie is going to say, yeah, yeah, now you've got a bridge into the gospel. Whether you have seen it or not. Yeah, that, you know, actually in, in the Bible, in, in Genesis chapter 6, it does say that. It, it, it points to that, that man did only evil continually. But I look around the world today and I see the same thing. Read, read Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3 if you, if you doubt me on this. And, and it, it, concerning the violence, not only, not only watch the news and see the violence, but what about the entertainment we choose? What about the, the programs that are on TV and what they present to us? How is it that our society at large, and admittedly we ourselves, what it is that we're entertained by? violence and corruption the ruin and the brokenness of humanity but the Noah movie gives no answer to that what the Noah movie does show is there is an accountability to, of, of all of humanity to this creator now I actually liked the, I liked when I saw the movie that, that uh, the term creator was used 
Because to me, it heightened the accountability. What, what, um, what, the, what, what Noah or villain don't argue is that humanity is accountable to the creator. I'd like to get back to that. I, that, that was a point that reminded me that, yes, if, if, as the Bible said, let's forget about the Gnostic creator now, if, as the Bible said, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day, if God created humanity, doesn't God have the right to do with his creation as he pleases? The movie affirms that. The movie does not deny that. The movie understands that we have an accountability. It reaffirms what we know from the Bible, that there is a coming great white throne of judgment. That as Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All of humanity, whether they like it or not, will be held accountable to our creator, the one who made us. That's a healthy thing. What is it then that we owe our creator? What is it that our creator then expects of us? The Bible tells us about that. You see, now I've moved from a a, a major theme in the movie back again into what does the Bible say about that? What is it? Well, one great verse that just summarizes it is in, in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly and to, walk hum- to, and to love mercy and then walk humbly with your God. Oh, I, when I can't do justly, I have to love mercy and God's mercy for me. God's mercy for me. And in light of that, I walk humbly because I have not saved myself. I have not been good enough. I have not qualified myself. I have not done some good deed that allows me to be caught up back into heaven, into God's presence again. No. But that's based, my acceptance, my standing before God is based on his mercy. As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man is revealed, as it was in the days of Noah. And the interesting thing is what Jesus describes when he talks about as it was in the days of Noah. He says, men are eating and drinking, and they're marrying and they're giving in marriage. All horrible things. No, they're not, are they? Did that ever trouble you? What's wrong with eating? What's wrong with getting married? Josh and Danielle think it's a good thing. Yeah, we, we, we actually like that. We're, we're, we're for marriage. Jesus, what? It's normalcy. They're going on with life as normal, but life without reference to God. I'm not going to, I don't have time to unpack that further and what's going on in the first, chap, first verses of chapter 6, that men were choosing whoever they wanted to marry. and just It's... It's continuing on with life. Godlessness is not necessarily the worst sin you could think of. Godlessness is living as you please without reference to God to whom you are accountable. In our last days, awaiting the Lord's return, godlessness is living living life without any reference of the Son of Man's coming. As they say, as, 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 as Peter wrote in his epistle, Second Peter, as in the last days, men will say, well, where is the promise of his coming? And haven't things continued from, from the beginning of creation till now, just as they are? God's not intervening. God's never intervened. He says they forget that in the days of Noah, 
In those evil days, God did intervene. That things have not continued as they were from the creation until now. God has intervened once. God will intervene again. God will hold this world accountable. I would actually say God intervened in the days of Noah. God intervened on the cross of Calvary. And God has already judged all the sin of the world there. And for any who, to, for whom that is not enough, God will hold them accountable then on their own terms. But all of us, all of us can be held accountable to God in Christ. And our depravity and our accountability to God is met there. Him in our place. Speak to people then on terms of Noah, on terms of human depravity, of human sinfulness, and on our accountability to a creator who made us. Those are themes that the movie suggests that the Bible affirms. There's a pervasive godlessness then and now. Not only to those who do these things, Romans 1 says, but even also to those who approve of them. Okay, so affirm humanity's depravity and accountability. That's the opening to the gospel. From there, believe God's clear command. Something that I thought interesting in the movie was that Noah isn't sure what God wants him to do. He has a couple of visions. One of them is inspired by, a, he takes some, some potion or some drink. And uh, then he has, a, he has a, a vision after that. But his vision's a little ambiguous. He's not sure. Is he supposed to be on the ark with his family, or is it just for the animals? Is humanity supposed to be saved, or is it just the animals that are supposed to be saved? What exactly am I supposed to do? And, and, and characters in the movie are, are questioning and, and shouting to heaven, Why won't you speak to me, God? Noah, in Genesis, actually has a very different experience. God speaks very clearly to Noah. Look at chapter 6 again, from verse 14. Well, verse 13. God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them from the earth. 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make the length of the ark. 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breadth of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. So there's very specific directions that God gives Noah. In fact, the end of chapter 6, Noah did, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah said, or rather, God said to Noah. God commanded Noah. God was very specific with Noah. It wasn't just some idea and a dream or a vision about maybe what I'm supposed to do that Noah has to figure out and interpret. No, God has given a very clear word. That's a fun thing in the movie that you can deal with. Because what does that suggest? Uh, well, the movie showed this, and that 
bothered me. I heard that in the movie, maybe if you didn't watch it. I heard that in the movie that Noah is conf- isn't sure what God would have him to do. But in the Bible, God was very clear. What does that matter? God has been very clear. God has been very clear with humanity. God has been so clear that even to this day we have a very clear written record of what it is that God would have us to do. And it boils down to this. The question was asked and the easy, easiest, the simple, plainest answer is given. A man asked in Acts chapter 16, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's answer to him, the apostle's answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He did this for us. God gives us four different gospels, four different facets of that beautiful jewel to to, to tell us from four different angles and four different accounts who Jesus is and what he's done for us. God has been very clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The Bible is clear in Noah. The Bible is clear in the gospel. The Bible, God God is patiently waiting. As he waited patiently in the days of Noah, he is patiently waiting. Peter says the reason God is delayed, the reason that he hasn't intervened yet in the evil of this age is because God is patient, not wanting for any to perish. And the gospel continues to be held out very clearly. And hopefully from you and I, very clearly to the people around us, that you are there because God is clear. Think about that. You are there near to your friend who hasn't got a clue what God would have him to do. You are there because God is clear. God has told you and put you there. God has put it into your hands and put you there. God is clear. Our response then is to believe, like Noah, like Noah, to believe God's very clear command. Hebrews chapter 11 says this about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Can you imagine build an ark? I'm going to send rain down from heaven. It's going to flood the earth. And Noah perhaps has never seen rain before. You follow, you follow Genesis prior to that, the way that the earth is said to be watered is by a mist that comes up from the ground. It's like a heavy dew every day, and there's no rain falling. Noah has, perhaps Noah has never seen rain before, and God says it's going to rain. I think of the Bill Cosby line, the Bill Cosby routine. Right. What's rain? And yet he builds an ark. For perhaps a hundred years, Noah and his sons build this ark because they believed God for what they had not yet seen, but they would see. God's word is, is true. And so it will happen, just as he said. Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. <laughs> One of the things I wanted, to, I wanted to point out there, Noah's not sure if, he's, if he, he and his family are supposed to be saved in the movie. It's all about the animals first. No, no, not in this book. Not in this book. God's crown jewel of creation is humanity made in his own image. And first, the first ones God gives tickets to on that ark 
are Noah and his family. And he says, and bring the animals with you. Bring them two by two and bring, bring, bring seven male and seven female of certain ones. But, but Noah and his family, there is no doubt. There is no doubt that God intends to save those who believe him. And it says that Noah is a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years. Noah preaches about the coming judgment. He preaches. He's not isolated off by himself building this ark in the middle of nowhere and no one else is around. No, Noah is telling people all the while. I don't know just what that looked like. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if, if, if Noah offered, offered work to people to come in and work on his ark and he could tell them what it was for. I don't know. Maybe Noah was that model of a Christian businessman who has a business and does a work because he wants to hire people and over the years and those people who work with them that they share the gospel with. And perhaps over the course of years they see life change and the people who have joined in that family business. I don't know. Maybe that's partly what it looked like, but Noah was a proclaimer of God's righteousness, and it was not Noah's own righteousness that Noah was good enough. How is Noah good enough? The movie shows a Noah that's not good enough. And that part is true, the fact that Noah is not good enough. None of us are good enough. But Noah, in Hebrews 11, says that by this, because he believed God, he condemned the world that did not believe, and he became an heir, he received the righteousness that comes by faith. The same righteousness that will be said of Abraham. Abraham believed God, and that was counted to him for righteousness. The righteousness that Noah had in God's eyes was because he believed God. The righteousness that Abraham had in God's eyes was because Abraham wasn't a perfect person. But he believed God. The righteousness that you and I have before God is not because we're perfect people. It's not because we now are as righteous as we perceive or, or, or would assume or uh, imagine Noah to be. It's because we believe God. And we have the very righteousness of Christ in God's sight. His righteousness for me in my place. Believe God's Clear commands. That's the call of the, of, of the story of Noah. Noah is held out. There is coming judgment, and God has a way of rescue. God has a way of salvation. Believe God's clear command concerning his salvation. There, is, there are no other options. There were no other options in Noah's day. There are no other options in our day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved. There are no other options. It's Jesus or lost. Know that God's patience will reach its limit. The floodwaters came. In chapter 7, the floodwaters came. Then the Lord, in chapter 7, verse 1, said to Noah, go into the ark. You and all your household. You see it's clear? You see who gets tickets? You see who the ark is for? There's no doubt about Noah. God intends to save humanity. God still intends to save humanity. The most broken person you know God would have his glory shown in their redemption. But know that God's patience will reach a limit, its limit. There is universal judgment coming. There is a great white throne. Don't wait for what God, you, God calls you to do. Believe. Obey. When I, when I was in the Air Force... And God led Julie and I into mission service. And so after nine good years in the Air Force, it was a good career. 
The Air Force like me, I like the Air Force. And yet God is calling us out to, to join this mission and to go to Africa. And so I'm telling my boss this. And he says, Bob, you know, you do well in the Air Force. The Air Force likes you. Stay 20 years. Get your retirement. Then use your retirement to go do your mission thing. And I said, I'd love to do that. That'd be really cool. And I, I still like the whole security thing that I thought I had in the Air Force, right? But I told him, God is calling me now. I don't know if he'll be calling me 10 years from now. What is it that God has set before you to do? Do not wait. If he's speaking to you this morning that I need to believe in Christ, don't wait. Don't say, yes, someday I should give that more time. Someday I should give that real consideration. Today is that day. Today is that day of salvation. If there is some aspect of obedience that he set before you, that he wants you to do, that he wants you to build, that he wants you to walk in, it's not someday. It's not sometime. It's not eventually. It's today. Today. Step into God's obedience. His patience will reach its limit. Whatever God calls you, don't wait. Believe. Obey. Finally, you and I are called to live in God's new creation. There is a one little scene, one little vignette, one little cameo in the movie that I really liked. There is this barren. Now, earlier, one of Noah's sons, and his sons are, are, are young boys, a couple of them, when they're supposed to be about 100 years old. But be that as it may. Like I said, the movie didn't come from the Bible. Don't, don't get upset about that. The movie came from a Kabbalah text called Zorah. Read my review. Well, not my review, the review I found. But there's this, there's this well, well, one of the sons picks up a flower just because he wants it. But by picking it, of course, the flower is going to die, right? He destroys the flower because he wants it for himself. Okay. Later on, when the rain first drops, the first couple drops of rain, a drop of rain comes down and strikes this barren, sand, sandy, looks like burned out soil. It strikes that soil and out of that barren ground, there's nothing out of that barren ground where the raindrops struck. And what's the rain in Noah's story? Is the rain wonderful, beautiful rain like we have around here? Uh, No, 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 it's not. The rain in Noah's story is, is bad. The rain in Noah's story is judgment. But where that first drop falls into the ground, this beautiful little flower pops up. This beautiful little flower, which is the same flower that, that was the same kind of flower that Noah's son had ruined. Ruined. Out of God's judgment comes new life. I love that little cameo. I could preach just that little cameo. But you wanted to hear the whole story, so I couldn't just do the Noah's flower. You know, this is a sermon this morning Noah's flower. Probably wouldn't have gone off really well. He's like, huh? But there's a sermon there. There is the gospel to tell there. Why? Because out of judgment comes new life. He was judged in our place. Jesus was judged in our place so that we could have new life in Christ. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And all these things are of God. God has done this. How did he do that? At the end of that chapter, a couple verses later, it says that he who knew no sin 
became sin for us, was made sin for us, took our sin upon himself for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That was the exchange that was made. Out of that raindrop that falls and the life springs forth, out of God's judgment comes new life. And you and I then are new creations in Christ Jesus, if we have believed in Christ, and we are to live in that new creation. We are to live in that new creation. In the midst of life's chaos, in the midst of life's storm, in the midst of the storm of sin's consequences in the human experience, and you have it in your own lives. your, Your lives are full of trouble, I know that. We have that. That is our experience. It is mixed up, it's messed up, it's not yet as it's supposed to be. And you sometimes want to cry out to the heavens, God, where are you? Why won't you do something? Why won't you speak to me? You feel like you're in Noah's movie. But in the midst of that, this looming chaos, you and I can live a new life. We're like that little plant that springs up in the midst of a barren land. And not merely for our own selves, for our own sakes, but we are that new life so that others in the midst of the barrenness can see it. And by seeing that new life in us, they too could know him. The Noah story in Genesis, in chapter 9, ends on an awkward note. The Noah story in Genesis ends with it not being perfect. Things are still not well. We have man, a a new humanity, sort of, after the flood. There has been creation. Out of the waters of chaos, dry land appears. And then in the flood, the waters of chaos come again and bury the dry land. Creation, uncreation. And then there's Noah and his family, a new humanity out of the ark. And yet, the same humanity descended from Adam. God didn't pick the best he could find and said, we'll start over with these and now things will be okay. Things are still not okay. And you find carelessness in chapter 9 leads to sin. Noah grows grapes. Noah makes wine. Noah gets drunk. Noah's laying there with no clothes on. You're not supposed to do that again. Ever since Genesis 3, God made coverings, right? Remember that? And Noah's lost his covering. And, his, and one of his sons apparently ridicules that, or, or his grandson ridicules that. And, and uh, so there is this sin that occurs, and there's a curse that comes out of it. Why does chapter 9 end that way? Because it's telling us that it's still not yet as it's supposed to be. Even after the flood, even starting humanity, giving humanity a reset, if you will, doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix it. We need a better than Noah. We need a better than Noah. And if the Noah movie tells us anything, it tells us that we need a better than Noah. But a better than Noah has come. A better than Noah has come. You know, there's, a, there's an obscure verse in the book of Ezekiel. I printed this in your notes. Ezekiel chapter 14, in verse 20. Actually, it says it in verse 14. It says it again in verse 20. Even if Noah... Let's talk about the evil of Ezekiel's day. Even if Noah and Daniel and Job were here, they themselves could deliver only themselves by their own righteousness. Noah himself, if he lived during Ezekiel's day, he wouldn't be good enough to save anybody else. We need a better than Noah. Noah wasn't good enough to save anybody but himself. We need a better than Noah, but a better than Noah has come. You know, Noah's a boat-building story. 
One thing I've learned about pe- of men who, who have boats is what size of boat do you need? A boat that's just a little bigger than the one you've got, right? If I could have a boat a little bit bigger than the one I've got, that would be a boat big enough, yeah? We've got a bigger, we, we got a bigger boat than Noah, folks. We got a way bigger boat than Noah. We got a way bigger boat than Noah. We have the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the Lord of the Lord, our Creator, who Himself stepped into humanity and bore all of our sin, all of it. People are wondering about could the animals fit on the ark? Could all of our sin fit on Jesus? Yes, because He's God Himself. He's God Himself. He He carries away all of our sin. He is able to save, Hebrews says, to the uttermost those who come to God by faith. My point is this. I'm not scared of the Noah movie. I don't think it's a biblical movie. I don't think it's a, it's a movie that you should use to get your understanding of the story of Noah. Like I said, it didn't come from the Bible. It comes from Gnosticism. But I will preach the, I will preach the gospel from Batman I will preach the gospel even from themes out of this movie where it shows sin and depravity. I'll start there because that's where we need to start with the gospel. Where it shows our accountability to God, I'll start there. And I'll go back to the real story. I hope you have an opportunity in the midst of, if, if, it, if, a, if a story that tells a lie, if a movie that tells a lie gives us an opportunity to speak truth, to bring light into the midst of that darkness, I won't be thankful for the movie, but I'll use the opportunity God gives. I don't think it's, it's, it, it gains you a hearing to say, oh, well, the movie did this and that, and I didn't like it because... How about, did you see that part about how messed up humanity was? The Bible says that too. And go from there. Let's pray. Father, this is a big story, and we've taken a long time, but... Lord, this, this is a story you put in Genesis for a reason. You've, you've given us a story that many find hard to believe, and yet you have been very clear. Lord, would you give us opportunity to speak your gospel? Lord, if it's even from this story, if a movie being out there gives us an opportunity to proclaim the truth of your gospel from your word, Lord, give us the courage to do that. Help us, Father, to be your ambassadors for Christ Jesus, to take this new life that you've given us to the people you've placed us around. Lord, that we might be like that tender plant out of dry ground. Lord, that we might be light in the midst of darkness, holding forth and holding fast to the word of truth so that those around us